All right, uh, let's pray. Jesus, we just want to invite you now to come and speak to us this morning. Lord, I believe that you have a very specific word for many of us here who are present today and many who will have the opportunity to hear this in other means and ways, God. And I just pray, Lord, that you would speak to us. You who are the living, eternal word, come with your specific living, eternal word, your specific word to us right here, right now. Come, Lord Jesus, and um, release, Lord God, that specific anointing that you have for this time and for this hour, for this moment. God, we thank you. We thank you for what you have to say today. In Jesus' name, amen. Today we continue, in fact, um, we're almost coming to the conclusion of our series of messages on U-Turn, Breaking Through Roadblocks to Life. Next week, we'll conclude this series of messages. However, if you uh, would like to get some of the previous messages, we have CDs and PowerPoints available for you right on the back table. If you want to drop in a couple of dollars uh, to cover the costs of uh, the CDs, that's fine. Otherwise, if you can't, just, just take them. Or you can go to our website, www.bethelTwinCities.org, and you can download both the messages and the PowerPoints to all of these previous messages. Um, lots and lots of response over these weeks to what the Lord has been speaking to us. I, I do believe he has been speaking to us, and um, believe he's going to continue with that this morning. Today... We're going to be focusing on breaking through the roadblock of disappointment. And like almost all of these roadblocks, disappointment is something which is almost a universal human experience. I believe that probably every single person sitting in this room this morning has experienced disappointment at one time or another in your life. Some of you right now are right in the throes of disappointment. And I believe the Lord wants to speak to us today regarding this very critical uh, part of human experience. I love, um, you know, Peanuts cartoons are always great. And uh, one of my favorites was many, many years ago. Marcy and Peppermint Patty are sitting there, and I don't know if you were able to see this, but Peppermint Patty's just gotten her school test back, and she says, rats, another D minus. And Marcy, waxing philosophical, says, well, life has its sunshine and its rain, sir. It's days and it's nights. It's peaks and it's valleys. And Peppermint Patty replies and says, well, it's raining tonight in my valley. Now, I don't know about you, but many of us have had the experience when we have felt as if it is raining tonight in my valley. There's so many different human experiences which can cause us to sense and feel that. There can be death or divorce. There can be separations. There can be uh, difficulties within families. There can be um, financial stresses. There can be work situations. There can be so many different things 
which can cause us to experience disappointment. And this morning, I want to specifically focus not on just general disappointment, but specifically upon our disappointment that we sometimes experience with God. So this morning, we're going to be talking about disappointment with God, and our text is going to be found in the familiar passage of John chapter 11. So if you have your Bible with you this morning, I invite you to pull it out and turn to John 11. If you do not have your Bible with you, please use the one located in the seat in front of you and turn to page 760. Page 760. John, the fourth gospel in the New Testament. Now, there was a man named Lazarus. He was sick. Lazarus means, Lord, my helper. Lazarus was ill. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one that you love is sick. Now we've heard of Mary and Martha. You've perhaps heard of them, Lazarus, their brother. So this is a family for which Jesus has intimate and significant relationship with. These are not just part of the faceless crowd. These are Jesus' friends. And when they send word, they remind him, Jesus, the one whom you love. And the word that they use is the word for, for that deep affection. The, the Lazarus, the one whom you love, is sick. When he heard this, Jesus said, This sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory so that God's Son may be glorified through it. Jesus, listen to this, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. Yet when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. Now, I don't know about you, But this is definitely troubling to me. Jesus loved Lazarus and Martha and Mary. He loved them all. Yet when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. Jesus, what are you thinking? We're going to come back to this in just a a bit. But Rabbi, they said, then he said, verse 7, then he said to his disciples, let us go back to Judea. 
So two days have passed, and now suddenly Jesus gets up and he says, all right, we're going back to Judea. But Rabbi, they said a short while ago, the Jews there tried to stone you, yet you're going back there? Jesus answered, are there not 12 hours of daylight? A man who walks by day will not stumble, for he sees by this world's light. It is when he walks by night that he stumbles, for he has no light. In other words, I'm going to work. I'm doing the work of the Father, and the work of the Father is now sending me to Judea, no matter what the challenge, no matter what the problem. But from our perspective, he's going to Judea two days late. After he said this, he went on to tell them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I'm going to go there and wake him up. I love this. His disciples replied, Lord, if he sleeps, he's going to get better. Jesus had been speaking of his death But his disciples thought he meant natural sleep. So then he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead, and for your sake I'm glad I was not there, so that you may believe, but let us go to him. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm getting confused. First he's sick, then he's sleeping, and the next thing you know, he's dead. Well, what is it? What's going on, Jesus? How did we go from here to there? And then I'm glad that I wasn't there? Are you cruel? No. So that you may believe. Let us go to him. Then Thomas, called Didymus, said to the rest of the disciples, well, let us also go so that we may die with him. Mighty men of faith and valor. All right. Well, we'll just go with them and die. On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Very significant, the four days. Understand that in Jewish understanding, the soul lingered near the physical body for three days, but upon after the fourth day, on the fourth day, that soul would depart from the physically dead body. And so when it says that he'd already been in the grave in the tomb for four days, Lazarus wasn't simply dead. He was really, truly dead. Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. And when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if only you had been here, my brother would not have died. I don't know about you, but those are words that I have found myself saying numerous times over the last 50 plus years of my life. That simple words, if only. You ever found yourself saying, if only? 
I think if only is one of those, again, universal human cries. If only! If only you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now, God will give you whatever you ask. So here's that faith. It's, there's disappointment, but there's still some, some faith hanging on in Martha's spirit and in her heart. And Jesus says to her, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. I know this. I believe this. I've got, I've got the theological understanding that tells me, you know, I, I know that this is going to happen someday. I know he's going to rise again. Key words. Jesus said to her, verse 25. I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies, and whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? This is one of the great I am statements that Jesus makes in John that connects us all the way back to Exodus when Moses was bringing the Israelites out of Egypt into the promised land, and he says, well, who do I tell them that you are? And he says, tell them, I am, has sent you. And throughout the Gospel of John, at least seven times, Jesus speaks and connects into that. And here he says, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me. will live even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she told him. I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who was to come into the world. And after she had said this, she went back and called her sister Mary aside. The teacher is here, she said, and is asking for you. And when Mary heard this, she got up quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet entered the village, still at the place where Martha had met him. And when the Jews had been with Mary in the house, comforting her, noticed how quickly she got up and went out. They followed her, supposing she was going to the tomb to mourn there. And when Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if only you had been here. My brother would not have died. Mary, who who wept tears and washed Jesus' feet with her tears and with the pouring out of the perfume and wiped his feet with her hair, now is there at his feet. She's weeping before him. If only you had been here. My brother would not have died. I love this. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him, he asked. This word is extremely strong in the Greek. It's 
there's almost an enraged in his spirit. There's a, there's a, in, in, in not in the, in, in the, in the, you know, godless anger, of course, but in the deep passion that moves something in the spirit. There's this deep passion in Jesus which says, where have you laid him? Come and see, Lord, they replied. Jesus wept. Where is God when we hurt? Where is God when we are weeping? The Jews said, see how he loved him. But some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Now again, not like what we would think of in the tomb. You know, there's the, 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 the cave and the and the wheel, like in Jesus' tomb, the, the wheel that's, that's rolled in front of the door and and. He comes to the entrance of this tomb and he says, Take away the stone. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there's a bad odor for he's been there four days. And then Jesus said, Well, did I not tell you? If you believed, you would see the glory of God. So they took away the stone. And Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. Notice how he prays, Papa. There's that intimacy that's there. I know you always hear me, but I'm speaking on behalf of those who are listening now that they might believe that you sent me. And when he said this, Jesus called out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man Sure exactly how he did there. I think he had to do the dead man hop because he was all swaddled up. The resurrection hop. <laughs> and his friends were there and they unwrapped the bandages from around him. His hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. And Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. I believe he wants to take off some grave clothes this morning. I believe that's what this whole series that we're doing is about, is taking off those grave clothes so that we can walk in the full freedom of life in Him.
So let's talk about this roadblock of disappointment. I think there's four questions that are connected into this disappointment. And I don't know about you, but you may have not said it in so many words, but I bet that most every one of you in this room have at one point or another asked these questions. The first question is this, where are you, Lord? Where are you, Lord? We've been waiting for you to come. Where are you? Oswald Chambers talks about God's silence. Jesus stayed two days where he was without sending a word. We're apt to say, well, I know why God has not answered my prayer. It's because I asked for something wrong. Well, that was not the reason Jesus didn't answer Martha and Mary. They desired a right thing. It's quite true, God does not answer some prayers because they're wrong, but that is so obvious it doesn't need a revelation from God to understand it. God wants us to stop understanding in the way we've understood and get into the place he wants us to get into. He wants us to know how to rely on him. God's silences are his answers. If we only take his answers, those that are visible to our senses, we are in a very elementary condition of grace. Can it be said of us that Jesus so loved us that he stayed where he was because he knew that we had a capacity to stand a bigger revelation? Has God trusted us with a silence, a silence that is absolutely big with meaning? That is his answer. The manifestation will come in a way beyond any possibility of comprehension. I'm going to come back to that in a moment. Where are you, Lord? God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. I recently did. I shared with you. I did, you know, this, this scripture just burned into my spirit a couple of months back. And I went in and looked at all the words and I discovered that what it really means there, God is our refuge. He's that shelter. He's that strength. But that ever-present means he is exceedingly present with us in times of great internal distress, and he is with us, and it's implicit in there, he is with us as the great I am. We sang it this morning, the great I am. I shared with you, the Lord gave me this message when we received this particular specific scripture when we received word that our 23-year-old nephew had died of a heroin overdose. And the Lord spoke to my heart as I was going and preparing to go to lead his funeral service. The Lord spoke this to me and said, I am exceedingly present as the great I am in times of deep internal distress. Recently, I'd gotten an email back a ways from Steve Rasmussen, and he shared this scripture with me. He said it's a scripture that his mom used to pray over him, and his mom and dad would pray over them, um, over their kids when they were little. He says, but you, O Israel, my servant Jacob, whom I've chosen, you descendants of Abraham, my friend, I took you from the ends of the earth, from its farthest corners, I called you, and I said, you are my servant, I've chosen you and have not rejected you, so do not fear 
for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. And it goes on a little bit later in that same Isaiah 41. It says, do not be afraid, for I have you in my hand. And he said, his parents, and Steve and Jan, of course, are in Africa and have been there for many years um, serving the Lord there. But the word of the Lord to their hearts was, they are, we are right in the right hand of God. That is where. Where are you, Lord? He's holding us with his right hand. Last Thursday morning in prayer, Norm brought this scripture to us and just ministered to my heart said, familiar scripture, where can I go from your spirit? Psalm 139, verse 7 to 10. Where can I flee from your presence? If I go to the heavens, you're there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me, your right hand will hold me fast. Now, Norm, the repository of all facts, shared with us, and this was great. Thank you, Norm. It was a wonderful sermon illustration. From where this was being written in the Mediterranean, the farthest place, the farthest port, if you were going to take a ship in any direction, the farthest port that you would go to and could go to on the earth would be San Francisco. Because the North American continent was the farthest away from where this was being written. And we in Minnesota are in the center of that continent. We are in the far side of the sea. We're in the far ends of the earth. 2,000, well, more than that, 3,000 years later, we're the ones that this is being even spoken over. Even if we went as far as Minnesota, even there, God is with us. Good news? Never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. Hebrews 13. Quoting the Old Testament scripture. And Jesus, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So here is the answer to the question, where are you, Lord? God has never left. God has never left. God has never left. Where are you, Lord? What are you doing, Lord? Ask that one. What are you doing? Maybe if I helped. Can I give you a hand? I think things could get better if I just helped you. I'm not really sure that you know what you're doing. My thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways. My thoughts and your thoughts as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return to it without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish. So 
that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater, so is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. You know this scripture. You've heard this scripture. It's true. I can't tell you how many times I've gone to the Lord to try to fix it and help Him only to hear him say, thank you for your input. Now, would you like to hear what I have for you? His are different than ours, better than ours, bigger than ours. They don't look like our ways. But he will accomplish How many, back to Oswald Chambers, how many of us have been blind in our prayers? Look back and think of the prayers you thought had not been answered, but now you find God has answered them with a bigger manifestation than you'd ever dreamed. God has trusted you in the most intimate way he could trust you with an absolute silence, not of despair, but of pleasure. But he saw that you could stand a much bigger revelation than you had at the time. Some prayers are followed by silence because they are wrong. Others, because they are bigger than we can understand. Jesus stayed where he was, a positive staying because he loved them. Did they get Lazarus back? They got infinitely more. They got to know the greatest truth mortal beings ever knew, that Jesus Christ is the resurrection and the life. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. Just on Friday night, together as a family, Claire's 16th birthday, we had pizza and we watched the movie Soul Surfer about the young woman surfer whose arm was... Uh, amputated by a shark attack and went on to continue her career. And serve. It, it's an incredibly inspiring story, very powerful. I don't usually go around recommending movies, but I would certainly recommend this movie to anyone. And that's the scripture that she hung on to in the midst of what she was going through. Romans 8, 28, 29, for we know that, listen to this, in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the likeness of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. In all things. doesn't mean that all things that come our way are from God, but in the midst of them, God works. His purpose, which is, to conform us to the likeness of his son. What are you doing, Lord? Remember, God is never lost. He's never disoriented. He hasn't forgotten where you're at. He hasn't forgotten what he's doing in your life. He hasn't lost the directions. When are you coming, Lord? How long can I wait? Again, Oswald Chambers, picture Mary and Martha 
waiting day after day for Jesus to come. Yet not until Lazarus' body had been in the grave four days does Jesus Christ appear on the scene. Days of absolute silence, of awful repose on the part of God. Is there anything analogous to it in your life? Can God trust you like that? Or are you still wanting a visible answer? Everyone that asketh receiveth. If God has given you a silence, praise Him. Think of the, of the things you prayed to God about and tried to hold, and because of His love, He dare not let you hold them, and they went. For a time you said, I asked God to give me bread. He gave me a stone. He did not. And you find today that He gave you the bread of life. You prayed that you might keep the thing that seemed to make your life as a Christian possible, you asked that it might always be preserved by God, and suddenly the whole thing went to pieces. That was God's answer. After the silence of God, if we're spiritual and can interpret His silence, we always get the trust in God that knows prayers are answered every time, not sometimes. The manifestation of the answer in place and time is a mere matter of God's sovereignty. Be earnest and eager on the line of praying. One wonderful thing about God's stillness in connection with your prayers is that He makes you still, makes you perfectly confident. The contagion of Jesus Christ's stillness gets into you. I know that He has heard me, and His silence is the proof that He has heard. Mmm, that's faith. So do not throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded. You need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what He has promised. For in just a very little while, remember, God's little whiles are little whiles. Very different things. He's got a whole different time scale that He's working with. But in a very little while, He who is coming will come and will not delay. But my righteous one will live by faith. And if He shrinks back, I will not be pleased with Him. But we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who believe and are saved. Now, faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. God is never late. Last question. Where are you, Lord? What are you doing, Lord? When are you coming, Lord? Perhaps kind of at the heart of it all. Why did you allow this to happen? 2 Corinthians 1. But as surely as God is faithful, our message to you is not yes and no. For the Son of God, Jesus Christ, who was preached among you by me and Silas and Timothy, was not yes and no, but in him it has always been yes. For no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. And so through him, the amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. Now it is God who makes both us and you stand firm in Christ. He anointed us, set his seal of ownership on us, and put his spirit in our hearts as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. I've shared before in this scripture, let me just remind you, because God spoke to this about me, spoke to me about this several years ago. Because I asked him, I said, God, there are times where I don't get it. I really don't get it. And if all your promises are yes and amen in Christ, and we say that amen, they are yes in Christ, then, then where, is that, where is that yes? I'm not seeing yes because all I'm seeing is no. All I see is no. And here's what I heard him speak into my spirit as clearly as I know 
how to hear from the Lord, I heard him say, look for my yes behind the no. What is my yes behind what you see as a no? Because the fact is that God will never lose. He doesn't lose. Oswald Chambers completing his meditation on this passage. He says, if he is taking us into the understanding that prayer is for the glorifying of his Father, he will give us the first sign of his intimacy, silence. The devil calls it unanswered prayer. In the case of Martha and Mary, the Spirit of God called it a sign that he loved them, and because he loved them and knew they were fit to receive a bigger revelation than they ever dreamed of, he stayed where he was. God will give us the blessings we want if we won't go any further, but his silence is the sign that he is bringing us into this marvelous understanding of himself. Do you remember when Jesus stood before Martha? And she said, if only. But even now, God will give you whatever you ask. And Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. And Martha answered, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. And Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies, and whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? And that's the question we're left with this morning in the face of our disappointment face of not knowing where he is or what he's doing or when he's coming or why he allowed this to happen. He speaks back to us this morning, his heart, and says, I am the resurrection and the life. You believe in me, you'll live. Even though you die, whoever lives and believes in me will That's what this table represents to us this morning. Worship team, please come as we prepare to come to the table. I'll need ministry coordinators, elders. There's a lot of you who are gone today, but those who are present, if you'd come, please, to help me serve. This morning, this table reminds us of this reality. We we take these elements... This bread which represents his body which was broken for us. This has become to us the bread of life. This cup which represents his blood spilt for us represents the cup of salvation. And we receive these elements until he comes. And we are reminded of the sacrifice of his death. And we remember in the light of the reality that he was resurrected for us. And because of his resurrection, there is power in that sacrifice. This morning, you may be here for the very first time. 
This table is available to all. You do not have to be a member of Bethel Christian Fellowship to receive these elements. You do need to be a member of the family of God. How do we become a member of the family of God? By acknowledging your sin, that yes, I am a sinner. And that sin has separated me from God. But Jesus Christ came to bridge between us and God, to make a bridge so that we might have life, not just now, but forever. And when we receive his sacrifice and we say yes to Jesus, and we acknowledge our sin and say, I'm sorry, and I welcome you, I invite you into my life, please come in and and take away my sin and bring me into life, he will. And these elements then become a confirmation of that in our lives, of his yes, his eternal yes, to bring us into life. So I invite you, if you've not stepped into the family of God, to do so this morning, just to pray that prayer and then receive these elements as a confirmation of that. If you've made that commitment, receive these elements this morning as a reminder of that sacrifice of the goodness of the Lord. If you're facing disappointment, maybe you're right in the teeth of it right now, in your heart, and your heart is breaking. I want you to know that Jesus weeps with you, and this morning received these elements as a tangible expression of his love for you. How much did he love you? He loved you this much. Do you believe this? He is with you. He's never left. He's never lost. He's never late. And he will never lose. So receive this morning these elements. Jesus, just open your hands to receive the benediction. Lord Jesus, thank you for the truth, the reality that we have heard today that is greater than what we may even see as reality. God, your promises, your purposes, your plans, they're bigger and better than what we've even imagined. And so, Lord, we just want to receive today this truth that you have spoken into our hearts today. We want to say, yes, we believe. Yes, we believe. Help us with our unbelief. (laughs) And I pray now, as you open your hands before him, I pray that you would be filled afresh again today with the immeasurable love of God the Father, with the irresistible mercy and grace of Jesus Christ the Son, The inexhaustible strength and power, comfort and hope of the Holy Spirit be with you and yours as you go from this house to your house. Sent to make disciples of all nations. May the banner of his favor be upon you. May his grace and goodness chase you down until we gather again either in this house or in our eternal home. I bless you, people of God. I bless you. 
I bless you in the name of the Lord. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Would you share the love of the Lord with one another as you go? The worship team is going to continue to worship. Pick up your kids, and God bless you, and have a fantastic day.